The Women in Media podcast is proudly sponsored by Organic Traditions for spring 2024. Stay tuned for a special deal during this episode. I'm Sarah Burke, and this is the Women in Media podcast. Let me start with an announcement. You'll notice there's been a slight change in the scheduled guest, Morgan James of Now Country and NCIFM in Winnipeg. I'm thrilled to share that I've put together a panel of women in country music, including Morgan, artists, label representatives, and programmers, and we're going to be recording a live episode at Country Music Week in Calgary ahead of the CCMAs. So if you're heading to Cowtown, well, join us. It's going to be Saturday, September 10th, and the episode will be released for anyone to hear on Monday, September 12th. I'll be sharing more about that on my socials, so please follow along at Women in Media Pod or at Burke Talks. That being said, there's no doubt that the recent news of Lisa Laflamme being ousted from her position anchoring CTV National News has not only struck a chord with broadcasters and women in media, but Canadians, viewers, the audience. Before we get started, please know and understand that there is an ongoing investigation. On LinkedIn, Bell Media President and CEO Mirko Bibic shared the following statement. Since Bell Media's decision to end her contract, there has been heavy criticism. The narrative has been that Lisa's age, gender, or gray hair played into the decision. I'm satisfied that this is not the case and wanted to make sure you heard it from me. I also want to address the situation of our vice president of national news, Michael Melling, who has been the subject of various allegations. Michael is on leave effective immediately, pending the outcome of the workplace review that is proceeding. <sighs> like, where do we start? I couldn't think of a better person to sort of unpack all of this than someone who's got 35 years broadcasting experience and a woman who is only a year older than Lisa Laflamme. And but the guy sits there and he's just like, fine, he's got a paunch, he's bald, he's shaped like a tomato. And who cares? Nobody cares. You know, so you, you get that idea. So now Lisa Laflamme is accomplished, smart, experienced, gorgeous, all of these things. What little girl who wants to be a journalist right now, what's she going to think when she sees what just happened? Lisa Brandt, how are I'm you? I'm great, Sarah. How are you? It's so nice to hear your voice and see you. I think it's been like a it decade, has. actually, since we've had a like a face-to-face conversation. So we met in a course entertainment in the halls. You were, was it the Hawk at the time or had it flipped? Well, this is the thing. It's sort of half flipped. So they, they were okay. calling it 103.9, but still had the Hawk and little teeny tiny letters in the, in the logo because they were afraid <laughs> to completely let it go. It, it didn't really have an identity when I was there, I didn't think anyway. Then it became the greatest hits. <laughs> But still, some things had the right. hawk and little tiny letters, so I don't know what was going on there. And now that property is a country, is a country yeah. station. How many years now have you been off the air? I left in 2018, uh, so it's just about okay. four. Um, October, actually, Halloween Day 2018 was my last day on the air. And, and that was with Blackburn? That was with Bell. Bell. I, oh, that was with I tell Bell. people Bell broke me. Bell, Bell okay. broke me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, why don't we start there? Because the last I was keeping track of you, I think you had a small run at Free FM. Yeah, I did three something years there, um, morning news and co-hosting the morning show. And then I left there and went to CJBK. uh, Yeah, the AM station. Um, They were removing Steve Garrison from the morning show after 40 years or whatever. Veteran. Right. And beloved by every man of his age. And um, I heard from every one of them. And so we started with Mike Stubbs, who had been in Afternoons, and I, greatest guy in the world. Um, of course, I'll say that about a bunch of people. He really is a great guy, though. And we did I nice. wholeheartedly agree on Mike there Stubbs. There you go. He's the best. He's wonderful. Wonderful. And we did. So But great. the show didn't turn out, I think, the way we both envisioned. We thought we'd do more together. Uh, I was more or less, you know, in the news vat. And coming in and doing stuff when I could, and I wasn't really a full partner to him. And anyway, when the London Knights moved over to AM 980, there's no way. I mean, Mike is all about the Knights, and he's just an amazing play-by-play guy. So uh, he left, and um, then they brought in a bunch of guys to try out, which was also a lot of fun, she says sarcastically. <laughs> and then Ken Eastwood, another great, great guy. And that's who I was doing the show with when I left. So it, And leaving had nothing, zero to do with Ken. 
Um, he's, he's just awesome. So. So what did lead to you taking a step off? You know, it's kind of like chipping away a little at a time. It was cumulative. It wasn't one thing. It was just, you know, over time, um, just, you know, there were things that went on at CJBK behind the scenes uh, that are no one's fault in London. Um, Just, you know, I mean, having worked in Toronto for many years, I've met a lot of executives who looked at London like, you know, Leamington, and Leamington is the same as Victoria, and Victoria is the same as Sudbury. And it just, if it's not in Toronto, it's all the same stuff, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's a town of 3,000 or a city of 75,000. They're all, they're all the same. Um, and I, I used to fight that because I've been in lots of markets, big and small, and I'd you know, say, you know, Toronto, you have more zeros on the budget, but you're not like radio is just as important if not more in some of these other markets but locally way more important absolutely and there and there are fewer choices so you've got a bigger chance to get a bigger part of the pie too um although the pies are getting smaller but that's another story um <laughs> they they just you know the budget was zero uh Ken and I were buying flats of water for our guests i needed staples sarah and I was told to go buy my own staples. Can you imagine? Come on. So no, I, I went can't. to staples and got staples. And, um, and you know, again, the people in the building are awesome. The, the salespeople, the sales manager, the, you know, most of the people, um, with a few exceptions, were just wonderful professional people working under these conditions. And, um, and I didn't leave because I had to buy my own staples, <laughs> but but there were you know there were there were some other things that went on with some personalities. Um, I got death threats uh, from this one guy who said that I had uh, disparaged the name of Jesus, which number one I would never do, and number two I did not do. <laughs> but he decided he was going to kill me. He knew my he knew that I was at the station first. He knew that I got there alone. He knew everything. So I started. I mean, nobody took it seriously. Nobody took it. It's just some guy who used to love Steve Garrison who's giving you a hard time. So I was standing at the back door one day of the building, and, and one of the managers was there. And I said, well, at least there's this camera here. So when this guy stabs me, you know, I'm trying to make light of it, it'll be on camera. He goes, oh, no, that's not hooked up to anything. And my Ugh. head almost exploded. So they didn't take it seriously. The camera was just there for show. So I called this guy who was... Um, who was threatening me, I found him and phoned him and apologized. I just blatantly apologized. Everybody's, everybody's patting me on the back going, oh, you're such a big person for doing that. I'm not a big person. I don't want to be a dead person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's legit. I don't know if he's, like, you just don't know. So how does an apology like that look? Like you're apologizing because you're not Steve Garrison? Well, I apologized. <laughs> I said, you know, um, I don't think I disparage Jesus in any way, but um, you know, uh, if you believe I did, that's all that matters. And I'm I'm really sorry if I've upset or hurt you. And uh, and I promise never to do it again. And and he actually it's right. funny because this guy actually melted and he went, you know, I'm really sorry and I overreacted and all that stuff. But uh, that's fine to say now. But I don't think that camera's hooked up to this day. So. Even even though you yourself, I wouldn't say you've been an executive, I feel like you've always sort of looked at your place of work from the executive level, though. And part of that probably comes from your experience in Toronto, I would say, Probably right? the experience in Toronto. Also, I was a program director for two and a half years or something when I was very young. Um, so I, I okay. did have control of a bigger picture. But yeah, I think... I think it's a combination of both of those things. Um, I just try and look at the big picture. Um, I'm not always successful. I mean, after I was a PD, I said I would never complain about a manager again, and I did not hold to that. Did you sort of fall out of love with radio? Yeah, I think you could say that I did. Um, I fell out of love with needing to be first. You know, that, 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 you get whether it's about new music or or news or whatever you get that jazz like i'm the one who i get to know this i'm an insider and i get to share it with people and it's fun um i started to feel like i was on the verge of beginning to phone it in and that's just not acceptable to me um you know the other thing that was happening and happens to a lot of people and it happens in every industry 
Radio is not exclusive to this, but the more you can do, the more they give you to do. And, right? And I just felt like, okay, because I can do it, because I'm capable of doing it, doesn't mean I should have to and doesn't mean I want to. And and it did. It took a lot of the love out of it. It became um, task-oriented, not um, creativity-oriented or the the you know that there's that old song by Jackson Brown the only time that seems too short is the time that we get to play and I and I you know when you're on the air all the stuff that you have to do to get on the air falls away and it's when you're on the air that's the great time well that started to become task time as well and yeah oh such an interesting observation well here's the thing I feel like that's happened to me well there you go and and so the, the One of the managers from Toronto was sort of in charge of us and helping, coaching us on how to do things with no money. And I remember one day he said, so when you send your guy to go get your guest, and it's like, we don't send a guy to get our guest. We don't one have a guy. One of us is the guy. And we go get the guest, <laughs> and the guest is like, oh, you don't have a guy? No, we don't have a guy. We are running out in 90 seconds of commercials to get you and bring you in. Like, I mean, this is how it is. And and for some people in bigger markets, that just seems inconceivable. Although there are a lot of stations in bigger markets that are cut to the bone. So um, maybe it's not inconceivable to people anymore. Yeah. And of course, this is not something that's specific to your time at Belt. This is happening with every radio company Absolutely. everywhere. Absolutely. I think there's a big question right now, and maybe this is why, like, I've been feeling this way for a long time about the task time being in the love creativity time. Um, Like, what can we do to fix that and actually encourage, you know, the next generation of broadcasters? Because it feels like right now uh, they're going to choose, you know, doing stuff on this little device instead. And And I can't really blame them because having worked in my basement for the last four years, I really love it. You know, um, I don't miss a lot of the the bull that goes along with, with going in and having somebody, uh, I don't know, somebody, okay, let's take, for example, I won't say a name, but a big executive who's being talked about right now a lot, um, has some <laughs> on-air experience, but is mostly, at least he has some, I'll give him that, but is mostly about the business end. And that's all well and good. It is a business. But if you can't relate creatively uh, or can't relate to what it's like to be on the air, there is a woman who is running a newsroom who shall be uh, shall not be named. And she came from the bean counter end. Now, we all need bean counters. Thank goodness accountants exist. Um, yes. But she would panic and overreact anytime there was a, a listener call that was negative. And, you know, and start screaming at the people responsible. It's like you have to understand that there it ebbs and flows. People love you. People don't love you. The idea is to have hopefully more that, that love you than don't. Um, sometimes you offend people. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you regret what you said. Sometimes you wish you said more. I mean, there's this whole stew of stuff. And if you've never actually done it, it's really, really difficult to expect that person to manage people who do. I find it just abhorrent and it's been going on through my whole career um you know where people have for whatever reason uh been given this this position i mean when i became a program director again it was back when the earth was cooling from the big bang but um you know i had no experience um and i was all on the side of announcers uh when it came to the managerial side uh, when I found myself parroting things that my general manager was saying, that's when I decided to leave because I was all about the announcers. And you can't you can't be that way. I was a terrible program director in that way. Um, so there has to be a balance, but you got to have some of that empathy for the for the people, right? Yeah. So wh- where were you a program director? Was it six? No, CKNX and Wingham. I went directly from Wingham to Toronto, and that was the mix at the time. Uh, long before it became Virgin and et cetera, et cetera. And then went to Kitchener, then to Hamilton, then back to Toronto to 680. She's the queen of Southwestern Ontario. <laughs> well, it's funny because people will write on Facebook, how many moves have you made? And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm going to, I just look like a nomad, but that's radio in many cases. So I don't know if you're finding this, but like this just popped into my head while you were sort of talking about, um, yeah, what you noticed over all these years and all these different sort of managers. Uh, I think we're not giving enough credit to the audience. 
I think that that's such a big thing too. Totally. Yeah, and now agree. there's instant feedback. I mean, you know, I, I hosted a talk show the first time I hosted one. If you didn't get a phone call, there was nothing, you know. And now, I mean, what? how many ways can people reach you to share their opinion? There's a gazillion yeah. of them. And, uh, you know, let's let's look at Lisa Laflamme for, for an example. Her ratings are, you can't argue that she had great ratings. You know, or sitting with a with a program director who's not of the era of the music you're playing, getting the audience feedback on their music meetings, finding that this song should be should be in because they love it, and him saying, "I don't like that one." He wasn't even born when it was. You know, like I absolutely agree with you. Um, the audience isn't no. stupid, and they can they can lead you to make better decisions for your. Um, your radio station and in this sense too like not to say that the rating system is no. great it's very it's terrible but it's all we have maybe, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. all we have yeah like that needs a, a huge revamp anyway but you know you have to rely on yourselves as an organization to get feedback outside of just those paid rating services yeah. to see how you should be making your decisions so yeah I've been thinking a lot about that lately and I know like you know, when it's crickets, I'm obviously talking about things that no one yep. cares about. Yep. You know, you, like you can you can sort of self-monitor in that way. And when you have a great break, you're getting lots of feedback. It's the same with, with so, blogging. Um, I can tell when I blog about something and, and I have, you know, weird eclectic tastes and like, like everybody else. And every once in a while, I'll get excited about something. And, you know, the numbers you just see go like this. And it's like, well, I thought it was cool. But maybe I shouldn't shouldn't go there again. So um, it's the same yeah. thing. So you're you're like full time voiceover yeah. now, and you have a, a wonderful blog, and you share you do a lot of coaching too. But is it an official business? It's a sort of a sideline. Um, and you know, there, it was born out of so many people coming to me and saying, "How do I get into voiceover?" I swear it's once a week, and so I'll really? say to them, "If you're serious, you will pay me, and I will coach you on how to do this." And I've had you know a handful of clients. But if you're not serious, go find go find your own way. Um, people think it's a quick way to make a quick buck. They really do, especially mm -hmm. people in radio. You know, I need some money for Christmas. How do I get started in this? And they, they come to me in September. You know, even though coming from radio, radio and voiceover have a lot to do with each other, but there's a lot that doesn't have to do with each other. They all yeah, say yeah. anti-radio. They don't want radio people. They don't want radio. They don't want radio projection. Um, you have to unlearn so much. And, and both my husband and I have taken lots of coaching, and um, which we pay for, and, and, and all sorts of stuff, knowing there's a lot we don't know. And so to just think that, you know, you can just start doing it in September and make money for Christmas is... I hear it all the time, and I'm sure it's it's done out of it's just a done out of naivety, and I and I shouldn't take it personally, but at a at a certain point, I want to go, you know, I work at this, I do the hard work, I yeah. make the cold calls, I I you know research people who are hiring, I do all this stuff, and it's not just sitting and and talking in front of a microphone. That's the only time that we get to play, right? All the other stuff mm -hmm. that goes into it, so. Curious, what are what are some of, give me like a couple things that you noticed are very similar to radio and things that are the absolute opposite that you had to unlearn. Um, the, it's the projection thing, which I'm probably doing now because I'm not thinking about it, um, is the thing to unlearn immediately, to just, just talk like a human right. being. And that's one of my biggest challenges. A lot of times I take two or three runs at things before I bring it down again. I mean, it's been 30 five plus years, right? Um, and the first thing they teach you in, in broadcasting school is projection. Uh, you need to be heard. <laughs> From the diaphragm. Exactly. This is your diaphragm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's that. Um, one of the similarities is managing clients. And that would be from um, not so much an on-air person's point of view, but more from like sales or copy or production, right? So that would that would be a similarity. Uh, some clients, it's funny, the less they, they pay you, the more of a pain they are. Uh, the the ones who do it all the time and pay pay better rates and and um, you know they're the ones that just know what they want, they get it and off they go. It's kind of funny that mm -hmm. way. 
Yeah, and there's so many like um, networks without naming names where you know they've made it a quick few clicks to like hire yeah. someone in in a matter of hours. And yeah, I can see how that might be a little frustrating to someone like you. Well, you know, I the, the thing is, the frustrations are this much. I love it this right. much. You know, and we talk in this house, we talk about gratitude every single day, how fortunate we are, how lucky we are, but we have worked for it. Um, And, you know, it does take work. And and I've seen a lot of people try and 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 stop because like my husband, he started on Voices.com, I think, years and years and years ago. He did something like 300 auditions before he got a job. Can you imagine that? And he is an OG. He is. Like he he's is. won international <laughs> awards now. He's done, like, he's just, he's the, he's the, the shit. But anyway, um, he, you know, and that was disheartening. A lot of people would have quit, but he pushed through. I haven't booked a single thing on Voices.com at this point there right now. I've been, like, shortlisted, yeah. and it's like, well, there, that's there. a good sign, though. See, I, it's funny. I talked to a coach one time in New York. Um, I took a session with her, and, and I said, I keep getting shortlisted in, in this one section of my work, but I don't get the gig. And she's like, just chill. You're getting shortlisted. Like, it's just nuances of this much that make the difference. Keep at it. And, um, you know, she said, if you're getting shortlisted, you're in the room. That's the best you can do at this point. It'll just have to click. So, so. You dropped uh, the name Lisa yeah. Lam. <laughs> we can't. We can't not talk about this right now. Um, would she be your era of broadcasting? When did I'm she a year come on older than her. Let's put it that way. Literally. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys cross paths in, in Toronto nope. at all? No, we um, we didn't cross paths. I was in Kitchener just I think shortly after she left. Um, so we ne- we've never actually met. Um, but of course, okay. I followed her career, and you know, I mean, she's she's yes. an icon. So. On this podcast, there's been lots of discussion about, you know, the the age yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was your initial reaction when you saw that news? Um, you know, even just on a surface level, if we take Omar Sachedina, who is very talented and everything else, and take Lisa Laflemme, and in this era, in this time in history, to replace this beloved woman with a man, any man, it doesn't have to be Omar, is the stupidest most optic uh ignorant thing you could do right now as a company Mm -hmm. they do not care full stop they don't care they do think the audience is stupid i i don't know what the other companies are like but i know that they simply do not care i'm whatever the reasons are i don't even care i mean people have been talking about the gray hair thing i know i didn't start or didn't stop coloring my hair till i left radio because um, just because, you know, it's, it's just a thing. It's just something that was just in me that I didn't even consciously think about until I left. I thought, hey, I can stop dyeing my hair. I mean, radio is kind of behind the scenes, tiny bit of social media. Yeah, you know, and, but, and, but public appearances, MCs, yeah, that's, that's the thing, it. right? And, um, and yeah. I mean, you know, that's something within me. That's nobody's real fault, but it's from observing and seeing how people are treated, like seeing a director in a TV, um, and nobody in particular, but in a TV settings, you know, saying, oh, you know, her her makeup's really harsh today. And But the guy sits there and he's just like, fine. He's got a paunch, he's bald, he's shaped like a tomato. And who cares? <laughs> nobody cares because he's the guy, um, you know, and yeah. It's just not, you know, and, and yeah. the women that I've known over the years who've gone, oh, yeah, I'm worried about getting fired. Now I'm going to go get plastic surgery and they go get, you know, something drastic done and, and they get fired anyway. And um, it's ridiculous. It's the whole the way the whole system is, is ridiculous. It's Sarah Burke here, the host of the Women in Media podcast and the founder of the Women in Media Network. Yep, now there's an entire network. I've been working really hard to get things off the ground. And what would I do without coffee? I can barely function without it. But I feel much better about putting a coffee that's full of superfoods in my body. I've been loving the Focus Fuel Instant Mushroom Coffee from Organic Traditions. And of course, all the ingredients are organic. It's packed with lion's mane mushroom to support memory, focus, and cognitive function, adaptogens to nourish your brain, and MCT powder to boost your energy and improve mental clarity. And before you make that face, no, it doesn't taste like mushrooms. It tastes like coffee actually better than most. There are hints of cinnamon and vanilla, and it is absolutely delicious. 
Did I mention it also just won Best New Mushroom Enhanced Beverage in a 2024 Brand Spark survey? Want to try the Focus Fuel Mushroom Coffee yourself? Head to OrganicTraditions.com and use the promo code WOMENINMEDIA20 for 20% off at checkout. And by the way, that applies for the entire site, not just the coffee. You're welcome. Just add water and get at it. I don't normally watch that newscast, if I'm being honest, but you know, like, I love to like flip around and keep tabs and... You know, at what whatever point during the pandemic that I flipped around and caught Lisa with a full yeah. head of, of gray hair, right away, it was like a strikingly beautiful yeah. thing to see on TV because her voice, her normal voice, is paired with this appearance. And she's yes. gorgeous. She's wearing a beautiful suit. There was nothing not to love about that. And it showed me empowerment in being comfortable in her own yeah. hair. You know, we normally say in our own skin and our mm. own hair. And like, I just thought it was, I thought it was amazing. And I had a conversation with three women um, at Indy 88 yesterday and they all had that exact same yeah. reaction about it. So I find it so interesting and I really hope that that did not play into the decision Okay, Sarah. So you and I had that reaction. Three people at Indy the other day. Were the three people women or men? Yeah. Women. So what did the women. men say? This is the thing. What did the men say? Mm-hmm. You know, so you you get that idea. So now, Lisa Laflamme is accomplished, smart, experienced, gorgeous, all of these things. What little girl who wants to be a journalist right now, what's she going to think when she sees what just happened? Mm. Top ratings, everything else. And, and, you know, probably the bottom line is it all has to do with the shareholders somehow. Somehow it's going to make their, you know, share prices pop or something i have no idea yeah. but um i don't think that right. even though michael melling is being made out to be uh the demon right now i don't think even at his level he has the authority to fire elisa Lafayette. yeah he has yeah. to be going up a few notches before that happens is there a time in your career where you can think right now that you've been told to stay quiet about something <laughs> she laughs oh and it's always been, always been the behavior of a, of a male colleague. Every, every time. single time. Every single mm. time. And to be have, fair, there were also times when I probably could have shouted from the rooftops, but I was too um, affected by it to do it. Uh, so I take, I take that as well. Uh, but yeah, oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. Be quiet. Mm-hmm. Tell me about one of those times that you know, maybe inform the next stage of your career? Um, I was working with a, a well-known uh, morning host and he uh, didn't want to have a younger, you know, they do that often, right? They have the long time guy and they notice that the, because uh, they were all guys back then, and they notice that the ratings are slipping or they're only getting the older people. So they want to bring in young blood. So I meet with this guy and I have lunch with him and then he's like, oh yeah, I can't wait. We're going to be great. We're going to be great. And the minute I was hired, it was a campaign of, I don't want you here. So every morning I'm getting up at 3, 3.30 and going in to be belittled, um, told that my ideas are unworthy, uh, made fun of openly, even on the air, and nothing nothing is oh, being done. Um, I was actually blamed for, for some of it. Um, and just like he would bring in a group, I, I wouldn't, he wouldn't collaborate on the, on the show. So I, I wouldn't know what was going to happen, <laughs> if you can imagine. You're on your toes. Yeah, so he'd bring in a group like a, this barbershop quartet one day. Look it up, kids. Anyway, it's a thing. And uh, he brought he brought them in one day and said, oh, you don't need to meet her. She's just the girl. And then they continue to, you know, and it's that kind of stuff. And that wears on you. And when, especially when nobody will, nobody will do anything about it. Um, my program director at the time would literally hide himself in his office, like, and, and lock the door and just stay there. You could not get to him. Um so, you know, it's it puts you in a in a defensive position where you're always saying this is happening and you're being gaslighted all the time saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's like I'm in crazy town, but I have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I uh, I get out of there as soon as I could. That sounds uh, like a, another story that's been covered in the media oh, yeah. a lot uh, lately with Derringer 
I mean, this whole thing about the investigation is ongoing. Like, how many people do you need to stand around and say this happened? And, and you know, and all, all these women, how can the investigation still be ongoing? It's all on the record. It's all on the public record, if nothing else. All these managers have gone through during this time. Like, come on. You know, it's just mm-hmm. such... It, I'm so disappointed in media. I'm in radio specifically, mm-hmm. television now too. But I'm just so disappointed. You must have been so proud of of Jen Valentine, whether you know her or not, for putting that video. And it up. took someone. And I don't know her, of course. I know of her, uh, but it took someone of her stature for people to finally stop and listen. And now, you know, other people have stories that are exactly like hers. And and uh, maybe without the vaping, but but they you know that that have, they've been talking about for so long, but it had to be someone of her stature, or else it's just all oh, go away, little girl. We don't want to hear what you have to say. We're making money. What's the big deal, right? The the idea of confronting the the bully, were you sort of told to fend for yourself in a situation like the one you described? Oh yeah, oh absolutely, yeah. yeah and um, for me, it was a a no win situation. Um, This guy is still very well known to this day, and um, he's well known for, uh, at one point, losing his cool when he was in government, and everybody was like, oh my goodness, I never knew, and I'm like, hello, I was in a studio with him for years, this is what he's like, I'm trying to tell you, but, um, you know, some people just save the crazy for the family, or the ones that can't get away, you know, Uh, eventually Mm -hmm. it comes to light, I guess. Well, I imagine that all this stuff is very like triggering for you. Um, and I'm happy that you're in like such a, a good spot where you're your own boss. You kind of call the shots. Let's celebrate a yeah. little bit. Take me back to like proudest moment of your career or a couple proud moments of your career. I'm sure there's been many. When I first met you, I knew right away that you were not just an announcer in the midday <laughs> position. You like you had so much more in the hallways. You well, know what I, I mean? Everyone gravitated towards <laughs> you and like you could just tell that there was so much wisdom. Well, there. I appreciate that. I um you know, it was uh it was an interesting time in my career because I I had gone from 680 from co-anchoring the morning show at at, t- at the time was the number one station in Canada and then moved here for love as you know and uh mm-hmm. and then then took that job but um some of the highlights um I think 911 as a newscaster uh being on the air for 12 hours uh you know was something that nobody before or since has probably had anything like that happen when we didn't know if the world was safe. And um, I think the way we all handled, we handled that day with sticking to the facts and, and um, trying not to scare people who were already terrified. Uh, I'm very proud of, of the work we did that day. There's actually a documentary out of it. We've totally forgot there was a documentary film team completely oh, wow. forgot they were in and it's like we start our normal day and then all this stuff starts happening and they kept filming and none of us saw them. We just, I mean, you can imagine, right? There was a film team like scheduled yeah, to be there. Yeah, and they were there. Anyway, yeah, it was just re- regardless of right. 9/11. They were just, there for the day. Wow. And so there is a there is a documentary out there somewhere when I see my face looking at the the t- the second plane hitting the tower, it's like it cuz I I don't remember a lot of it except that the mantra of just tell the truth, don't exaggerate, don't speculate. Um, you know, and we all, I think we all did a really good job of that. That was a really big day. When Princess Diana died, I mean, uh, the way we handled that was a really, uh, really good day. And that was in Hamilton. Um, you know, there were, there were, there were an awful lot of things, uh, news-wise, uh, especially where I felt we did a really good job. Um, there were times when I fought yeah. for stories to get on the air and won, and they turned out to be, you know, kind of big stories, and my instincts were great. Other times my instincts weren't so great, but I only think about the times they were great, so. And nobody's <laughs> perfect, right? What about, uh, what about it, like, an interview that you will never forget? Rowdy with, uh, Roddy someone... Piper. Remember okay. him from the <laughs> WWE? Back then it was the WWF. Um, I'm going to admit I'm not a huge WWE okay. fan, but like it's hilarious. Yeah, it's he's WWE. the first one that comes to mind um, because he was getting ready for hip surgery and he and I just connected. He held my hand through the whole interview. He uh, he was Aww. the sweetest, kindest, nicest man. He called, He referred to his wife as the poison dwarf. It was obvious he was just totally in love with her and totally 
totally run by her. He was the kindest, sweetest, most wonderful man. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to him. Um, there's just so many, and a lot of them aren't famous. You know, like some indigenous uh, leaders that I've talked to over the years. I did a presentation for chiefs in London, and uh, I walked out of there and just, you know, bawled my eyes out. Um, I was talking to them about media, and they were telling me about some of their experiences. And I, I, I was just absolutely astounded at how people treated them. Uh, I, I couldn't believe it and vowed from that day to, to uh, you know, try and do something about that. So they move you in different ways, right? And sometimes it's just, yeah. um, it's just, you know, a person who has fought cancer and come through it, or um, just meeting people and hearing their stories. Uh, now all of a sudden, I miss that. <laughs> I'm no, sorry. no, that's okay. <laughs> but you know that's what? Okay, it's good to remember the good stuff, right? Of course. So I, this question was on my list for you because I am not always talking to someone with like a news um, background, but. News, fake news, conspiracy theories. Like there, there's a whole other level of, of what we do that's sort of emerged over the last um, three years, like becoming more and more mainstream, right. unfortunately, too. I wonder how you might handle that if you were on the air today. Well, it actually, some of it predates um, even the, the pandemic because through the Trump era and, and rising up to that, there was a lot of that. So I did still experience some of that and got okay. called... Um, all sorts of names for being, you know, a pawn of the government and all that kind of thing. I'm so glad I wasn't on the air during the pandemic because it got much worse. But, um, you know, people are, I've gotten into the psychology of it because it really bothers me. And many people do not have the ability to do critical thinking. And so they are told something, they absorb it, and that becomes truth. And they don't know the difference and I haven't done this research, I've read about it, they they don't know the difference between new information coming in and maybe, you know, overlapping what they already believe because it's new and it's fresh. And, you know, so that's what I've come to believe. I've actually come to pity in my heart some people who don't have the ability to doubt themselves or doubt what they believe and to think critically. I question what I believe all the time. I'm constantly, you have to, yeah, yes. I'm constantly like, you know, am I right about this? Um, I question it all the time. And I think that you have to, uh, other, you know, somebody who's dug into one, to one so-called reality, um, I, I feel sorry for them. I just really, and a lot of the, the, like, I guess the social networks part of it too is like if everyone in your social network has that same belief, then you're missing some pieces of like the overall well, picture it, that might help you make those. And there's the thing as well, not thinking critically yeah. about how Facebook works. The more you like yeah. and the more you grab, the more you're just going to see that narrow lane. Um, you know, I've, I've had people say, people who are, you know, friends or whatever say, um, but that's all I see on Facebook. And they don't know they're controlling that. You know, it's, again, it comes back to critical thinking. And um, I don't ever want to, you know, mock somebody for for that. But uh, but I'm going to mock them a little. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's just... No, there, there should be some onus on the person absorbing yeah. the content to, like, to just ask themselves, like, oh, might there be another perspective exactly. on this? I know. That's but all. especially when it already feeds yeah. into what they already believe, it just builds and builds and builds. And and so I've seen it happen. Like I say, I've, I've sought out all sorts of uh, articles about it to try and figure out what is going on in these brains, you know. Um, anyway, yeah. that's what I see. Super interesting. But yeah, I know my, my fellow uh, newscasters who have been on the air through the pandemic have endured absolute hell. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just awful. And I mean, the text, that's one thing about audience feedback. That's a downside. The texts come in immediately. Somebody might just throw it off and then go on with their day. And you're left with that in your soul, you know, like get yes. out of this business. You suck or whatever it is. Um, I shared a tweet about, uh, the Lisa LaFlamme story and immediately within like a few minutes, someone who I'm not even sure who it is that follows me, I guess, or saw it in like a trending right. situation. Right. Uh, writes back to me, she was just a pawn of the liberals anyway. And and I'm like, this has this this tweet that I put out was celebrating a woman's longevity in yep. her career. This has nothing to but they do see it with as this, related. But great. <laughs> 
Yeah. There are people saying that about every newscaster oh, out absolutely. there right now. Everyone who presents any story, that's, you know, that's just, it comes with the territory. Well, that became the, tr- that was the Trump, the Trump thing was, you know, mainstream media is the enemy. To me, that was the most dangerous thing he said. Because now, you know, people will trust somebody on YouTube with 24 subscribers more than they will somebody who spent their life doing actual journalism. That's scary to me. That's frightening stuff. And it's no different than someone who's been studying vaccines for, (laughs) you know, how many years of their career versus someone who's like, hey, I just just got a ProZoom account. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yes, I hear what you're saying. I mean, we talked about a lot of shittier moments, but what about what about a manager who made you feel like confident and empowered? Oh, yeah. Um, I have had some of those. Um, Scott Metcalf at 680 News. Uh, He's retired now. Um, What were those qualities that that kept you? He's a human being. He was a human being who wasn't trying to climb a ladder. He didn't have aspirations of being the uh, next Ted Rogers. He was happy where he was. And it's not to say that he didn't have ambition. He might have had some other, but he, he was in the moment. He was in his job. He wasn't going, oh, I wonder if there's something better back here, uh, you know, coming on my phone. He was laser focused on you. And he was in, he's a kind man. He knows that kindness can go along with success. It's not the enemy of success. You don't have to be a prick to get good results, <laughs> which is a lot of what, you know, I saw through my career that, you know, the, not everybody, of course, there are a lot of great people. Um, Stephanie Smythe uh, at 680 News, you know, she would, the thing I, I learned from Stephanie is make a damn decision. Because she would make a decision like that. You are going here, you're going that on a breaking news story. She had the best instincts for that kind of thing. Um, and again, she would take the time to say, all right, this is why I didn't like that. Um, but that doesn't mean you're an idiot, um, yeah. which is important as well. Mostly at 680 mm-hmm. is what I'm coming up with right now. Uh, Scott Kitching at uh, Blackburn as well, another terrific manager. Uh, liked him a lot. I liked working with, uh, with Dave Farrell at uh, Chorus. Dave used to go around say good morning to everybody. Some people might say he could do something else with that 10 minutes. No, he couldn't. He gave us all energy in the morning. I'm in the building. I care about you. I know you're on the air. You've been here earlier than me. Good morning. And it's like eye contact with the big guy. That meant something. And I shared this with him. You know, I spoke to him recently and I said, you know, like the fact that the summer cruiser girl got FaceTime with you and had three months experience in the business. Like that means absolutely, absolutely does. He was nurturing people not just managing them. You know, you felt like, at least I did, um, much of the time with Dave was that he wanted to know where you wanted to go. He wasn't trying to shove Mm -hmm. you in a little box that was created to put you in. It was more like, okay, where do you want to go? How do we expand this? Um, Yeah, I have a a lot of good things to say about him too. You know, something I just thought of too that I I just kind of picked up in our conversation, but just like we've been talking about how our sort of dreams and aspirations changed, right? As things changed around us. I think we have to sometimes remember that those things too happen to management. Absolutely. As much as it might be all the blame on one person in a lot of the stories that, you know, we've been sharing on this episode today, um, you know, compassion and kindness, going back to what you just said and seeing that there might be other people calling the shots, you know. Dave told me a story about um Derringer's contract that he had absolutely no say in whether he agreed with it right. or not you know so there there's all sorts of stories like that and we have to remember as human beings to be compassionate regardless of what else is going on well there on. are some uh some women right now who will be unhappy that I'm going to say this but I can have more than one thought in my head at, at a time that's all I'll say in defense Michael Melling Michael yeah. Melling is a human being okay I don't this is what yeah, I'm getting at. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for him right now. He's in that position. He took it, it. You know, he knew he was going to come his way. But anyone who thinks this was solely his decision and he should be demonized about it is dead wrong. I feel bad for Omar Sachedina. 
I can, I can, be, I really yeah, I can be horrified over what happened to Lisa Laflamme, but still think Omar, good guy. Everybody says he's wonderful, great reporter, fantastic reporter. This is his big moment in the big time. This is a major accomplishment in Canadian media. This is huge. It's the, probably the biggest thing he'll ever do, and people are ripping him a new one, and that's not right. That's not fair. He could have had his rewarding moment and something to celebrate as well as a rewarding end to a great long exactly. career. And those things could have existed simultaneously. With different decisions? <laughs> Absolutely. With the, Yes, more than one thing can happen. And with different decisions and different priorities, um, yeah. I think it's the priorities that are out of whack. Um, then absolutely those things could happen. We'd be having a completely different conversation about it, but that's not what's going on. I saw writing on the wall for me. Everybody managing me was in their 30s, which they should be. There should be attrition. There should be new people. That's fine. But I think other people, you know, with your type of experience might be a little more condescending oh, yeah. to someone that's right. 30. You know I what do I mean? know what, I do know yeah. exactly what you mean. But I could see the writing on the wall. I mean, there's, there's you know, fewer and fewer jobs. Yeah, I do. I, I think I did a great job. And I was always told I did a great job. But, um, but you know, how is it going to end? So I chose my own ending, right? And sometimes that's all we have. It may have been early. It may have been, it may have not, but I think it's turned out pretty well, so. Okay, so before um, I have you nominate some women to come on this podcast that you'd like to hear more about, um, I wanted to touch on something amazing that's come out of all this misfortune, um, specifically in regards to, you know, Jennifer Valentine uh, and what women in the media landscape were very clearly going through as that came out. You started uh, a private group, uh, which we're both a part of on on Facebook. That's all I'm going to okay. say. And it was, I think it had in mind um, a similar intention of this podcast, which is creating community yeah. where we can talk about some of these shitty things happening, where we can celebrate things aren't, that aren't celebrated enough. And look what this little Facebook group has become. It's it's a beautiful well, it's thing. Funny. I, I would like to hear what the, you think. The guidelines <laughs> for these, when you start a Facebook group, and, and I mean, it's completely private, um, and yeah. that was the idea, but um, is that you're supposed to welcome people as they join and everything. Well, I would look at my phone and be like, 67 women have joined. I'm like, I'm not going to welcome everybody. <laughs> I'll just... I feel like you had like two, you had like 200 people by the end of that. First yeah, I day. did. And like... it's closer to 300 now. And, you know, people yeah. finally, they're starting to post their own stuff. And you know what I mean? Like, I felt like, oh, it's kind of on me to keep things going, which is fine. I mean, but I kind of want, I want the conversation to happen without me. I want it to happen, you know, not just stuff that I start. I mean, other people have yeah. <laughs> lots to contribute and um, and it's doing that now. Um, and I just really like that I feel um, the women there can be trusted to, you know, respect the boundaries of the group and, and we can say what we want. Um, and yeah, we, and not everyone's going to be comfortable no. sharing, but there's going to be people that are finding comfort in what they're seeing. In yeah, that. and that's fine too. The the people who just want to read, there's no, uh, you know, obligation to post anything. But I'm glad other people are. It's funny though the lines that I mean, we wanted to put up an article about uh, Karen Steele. Um, she's get she's the um, Rosalie, the Rosalie Award, Award winner, right? And I got a lot of complaints because she's married to Blair Bartram, who used to be Derringer's manager. I've heard this storyline a little bit in my circle. Yeah, and uh, I didn't think it was fair. Um, I worked with Blair. I don't know Karen, but I know of her and I know really good things about her. Um, you know, what happens to supervisors of Derringer down the road is something for a future you know, world to decide. That's, um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so that was unfortunate. Um, but, you know, the the crowd spoke, so I took it down. So what are you going to do, right? So I do think, though, that, um, you know, these conversations are, are leading, um, I think, to a more open and transparent future. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. There's going to be a lot of heartbreak and frustration along the way. But, you know, as long as people are willing to have the conversations it's, it's it has better. to it has to because Aaron Davis yeah. and I and we worked together at, at CHFI we used to say we're going through this bullshit so that generations behind us won't have to turns out that's not true 
generations behind us are still going through the bullshit. So maybe the generation behind them won't have to. I'm like 20 years behind you and just went through the same exactly. bullshit. Yeah. Like, so. fuck. <laughs> and that's, and that's fuck. how Aaron and I placated ourselves. And it wasn't even true. <laughs> okay. So I asked you to think about some, uh, some women who you think might have some great stories to share on this podcast. Who'd you Avery Haynes. And for those who might not know the names and even right. for me, Avery Haynes is now the big cheese at W5, um, the investigative okay. uh, show. I worked with her at CFRB in the mix, and she is um, one of the most accomplished journalists in the country. She's been through radio, been, you know, through through the mill, and um, she's fascinating, brilliant. Um, what else can I say? Avery Haynes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Andrea Case at CTV. Andrea okay. is uh, a woman of color. She is, uh, again, super, very accomplished, funny as all get out. Um, I used to only see her once a year when 680 did a, a Toy Mountain promo with, uh, with CTV or CFTO, I guess, at the time. And, um, and she just, I'd walk away just laughing and feeling great. And she's been around a long time. She's really great. Um, if she was alive... I just want to mention Christine Crosby because uh, I was a fan of her. She was on Global uh, Global News for about 10 years, and uh, then she went to PR and, and communication. She was at the Science Center. She died in 2019, and uh, we became Facebook friends. I never, ever got to meet her in person, but I just want to mention her name because I want people to remember how amazing she was. In the episode notes, I'll... Uh... I'll link to a little more information. Yeah, I think there's a Wikipedia page. How does that sound? That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much. This was like, I felt like this was going to be a cathartic chat. And it was. I'm good. (laughs) Very good to see you. (laughs) Very, very good. I know. I know. It feels like no time has passed, but I I did enjoy working in the same hallways as you. And we'll have to catch up with you when we're Come to the lake. It's lovely by the lake. We've got sand and beaches and frosty drinks. Please keep an ear and eye out for posts about my next episode, a live recording with a panel of women in country music, which we'll do at the Canadian Country Music Awards HQ in Calgary. And as always, thank you for listening. I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. We're now podcasters. And why did we call it that? Well, you know us as decorators, but we've got lots more to share. We want to talk about travel and relationships. We're going to have amazing guests on. Guests who inspire us for sure. We'll probably talk about design too. And of course, Tommy, don't forget about food. Oh my gosh, how did I forget about food? So please follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or as they say, wherever you get your podcast. And we'll pop right up when we have a new episode. Where's us luck? This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.